Welcome back to Confessions from the Sidelines, and I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. I'm excited to share today's episode with you, but before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our partners. Prep Expert is an educational technology company that specializes in online SAT and ACT preparation. They offer full-length live online courses, on-demand video courses, one-on-one private tutoring, and more. They have helped more than 50,000 students around the world get into elite universities and win over $100 million in scholarships. They have tons of course options. One size does not fit all. They offer full-length live online courses, on-demand video courses, one-on-one private tutoring, and more. The best way students can learn is when they find a course that suits them the best. Head on over to prepexpert.com and use the code Sarah 300, S-A-R-A-H, the number 300, for a free gift and discount. I love shopping online at Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You can enjoy member-only prices and save an average of $32 on every order. I love that you can choose your own membership term. For me, I went with a 12-month membership because it comes down to $5 per month. But if you're not sure Thrive Market is right for you, you can easily give it a try for a shorter period of time. And remember, if you choose a Thrive Market annual membership, it is 30 days risk-free. Head on over to thrivemarket.com slash sideline confessions to get 20% off your first order and a free gift. Now onto today's episode, I am chatting with coach Joey Jones. Coach Jones's accomplishments are long and distinguished, and he is no stranger to building programs from the ground up, both at the high school and collegiate level. As a collegiate athlete, he played for the legendary coach Bear Bryant at Alabama. I had the privilege of working alongside Coach Jones when he served as the head coach for the University of South Alabama Jaguars. Here is my conversation with Coach Jones. All right, Coach Jones, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Glad to be here. I hadn't talked to you in a while. Um, uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, good. Well, I know the first thing I want us to dive into is, you know, right now, you have just entered this retirement stage. And, but before that, I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey to becoming a football coach. Like, how did that happen for you? Yeah, you know, uh, I always played the game, started playing uh, football at the age of seven. Played for many, many years, 20 years, played at Alabama, uh, played four years of professional football, a couple of the Falcons. Um, and then, you know, right after that, I left the Falcons with my knee injury. I, I just felt like, I need to try something else. So I actually tried real estate for about six months and found myself going to all the high school practices and high school games. And my heart was just in passion, was just involved with the game of football. So um, got a job at Broward Christian High School back in 1989 and uh, started there making 22000 a year and um, uh, kind of worked my way up the ladder and you know, had a couple of head coaching jobs and, uh, you know, Dora High School, Mount Brook High School, and then started the program at Birmingham Southern. Was fortunate to do that. And wanted to get into college football there. And, and my two boys had just graduated. One of the things that um, I didn't mention earlier, but uh, my two sons, there was no way I was going to coach college football but with them coming through through high school because I, I didn't necessarily have to coach them, but I didn't, you know, want to not be at their games. And I, I knew – if I was coaching college football, I would miss all the Friday night games. So that wasn't an option for me at that point. And I was real fortunate that Joe Dean called me 
at Birmingham Southern to be able to, you know, take the job there. And then a year later, you know, they say they're starting a new program in South Alabama. And it's, you know, long story, but we could get into a long story about how I got hired and how, how long it took to get me hired there. But anyway, uh, it all worked out and, and really enjoyed my time. Yeah. And that's actually where we met. I had the pleasure of working with you when I was at South Alabama and on the academic side of things. And so as you think about like this journey in coaching, and obviously you've seen the evolution of recruiting and you've seen how hard these kids have to work to find where they belong. What, as you think about it, like what can parents do right now to really support their kids if they want to play college ball? What can parents do to support Support their kids? Support their kids, Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, is I think they're kind of getting in a panic mode a little bit in the recruiting process. And and I, I always just tell them to say, you know, look, relax. You know, if this thing's going to work out for you and us, then it's, it's going to be meant to be. Uh, there's a lot of options for most of the ones we recruited. You know, they had several other offers. So the biggest thing is just relax and, and take it all in. The second thing I would say is, don't over visit, you know, people and run around all summer long when you're, you spend two or two months of the summer driving every week to camps and going to visit the coaches and those kind of things. There's a, there's plenty of time for that. And obviously as coaches, we want to meet them personally. Uh, and so having them come up one time is certainly important. Uh, but for them, just pick, pick and choose. They're, they're still, have their high school years ahead of them, whether they're junior or senior at the time, and, and to enjoy that process. It's all going to work out. You know, you're going you're going to have a gut feeling where you want to go to school after you know several months. So you don't have to overdo it. Yeah, and you know that's something that I always loved when I was chatting with parents. Is I would always say to them, weigh your pros and your cons, but you have to go with your gut. Like you will know where you belong when you yeah. once you visit the campus, once you see what's going on. You meet the coaches and also meeting all the support staff as well. You will actually get that sense of like, this is where I belong. Like I should be here. No doubt. No, no doubt about that. And uh, you know, I, the number one thing I read this about five years ago, it, the number one thing they had a list of things that were important to, to recruits, you know, back in the eighties and the head coach was first and on, on down the line values and, you know, and winning and all those kind of things. Well, now, uh, as of five years ago, the number one thing is facilities, mm-hmm. which is hard to believe to me. And, you know, I, and I always tell them that, you know, look, we had, we had a nice field house, of course, you know, South Alabama, fortunate to have that. And, uh, and that, that was, that was a good, good tool for mm-hmm. recruiting. But I always told them, I said, all these buildings and locker rooms, it's going to fade away after about two weeks. So don't, base your decision on that just because somebody has a nice locker room doesn't mean you're going to have a great experience there. You got to dig a little deeper than that. So it's like you were saying, meet all the person, you know, personnel that with the academic personnel and, and even the secretaries and which had a big impact on running and a lot of our players uh, lives, you know, so coaches, obviously the man, the managers, the equipment people. So I, I like you say, I think, be able to do that and meet all the people and you would have a good feeling. Don't base it off facilities. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And so, yeah, but I know that for some reason nowadays that's important to the kids and I guess it's somewhere on the list, but it shouldn't be in the top three. Yeah. And I completely agree with you too, is that, you know, I, I love what you said is like all that stuff is going to fade away in the first two weeks. 
I mean, yeah. you're going to get tired as a student. You're going to get tired of being in the, the locker room at the field house in the street training room. And, you know, so having that at the top of the list, it almost needs to be moved down a little bit as you think about what are the other things you're looking at at school. And, you know, and I think a lot of times we have these conversations with students that they are just pushing, I have to be a division one. I, I have to be a division one. Like that's their goal. But sometimes that's not where that student should be. How do they go about making that decision? Well, if, if they're thinking about division one or lower, is that what you mean? Yeah. Just, yeah. So thinking yeah. about like, there's all these options from division one to division two, division three, like NAIA and even junior college, you know, so sometimes maybe division one isn't the place for them. Well, I would say this. I, I, I And what I struggle with a little bit, South Alabama, you know, I was brought up playing for University of Alabama where there's 80,000 people and it's just nuts, you know, great atmosphere. Um, You know, sometimes in the Sun Belt, you you didn't get that type of atmosphere, maybe, let's say. So I do understand the the electricity of, you know, playing in the SEC or playing for a major Division I uh, program. I do get that. And I think that 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 for me is a player. I'm just being honest. Yeah, please. I, I love that. I mean, I love, love being in front of a big crowd, and it has motivated me. You know, so it still does. So uh, I struggle with that a little bit. But I, I would say that they just got to really find out what's important to them. I always tell you know all of my players, you know, to set goals for yourself and you write down what what are your goals, and then does this school help me get to my goals? And, and if big crowd's not important important to you, then you don't really care about that. And that's when you choose, you know, uh, the South Alabamas and the Troy, the Troys and the North Alabamas. And so, um, so I think that, uh, you just got to really know who you are and what you're, what, what's important to you. And I think you got to base your decision off what's important to you, not, not what's important to anybody else. Oh, and I, I really like that because I think a lot of times students struggle with what is everybody else doing? Everybody else around them are making these really major moves or these big decisions, and they forget to take a step back and think about what what are my goals? What are my ambitions to really look to the end result? Because you and I both know we're having this conversation and our sporting careers are over. Like that ended a long time ago. And I think, you know, as a 17 year old, 18 year old kid, we aren't seeing the end goal of that. We're not seeing that that sporting career might come to an end. And Mm -hmm. so we really have to put that in perspective as we're looking at what that decision is going to look like. Right. There's no doubt. Yeah. You got to, I mean, I I was fortunate to play four years of uh, professional football and it's evidently a lot more than most, I would say. Uh, so even though it was only four years, I mean, that's a very short segment of your life. So you got to move on to the next phase. And it, it was hard on me. I, I think that when you get, not that we were pampered uh, as players, but I was used to the big big game atmosphere. I was used to you know, lining up against LSU and, and being on national TV and those type things, even back then. So it was a, it was a definite um, kind of, kicking the gut, you know, when, when it was all over, I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was kind of struggling because, you know, everything was kind of built for you through the game of football, through your academics and all that kind of thing, getting your degree. And now you got to go and do something. You got to make decisions. What, what part of life that you want to encounter? And uh, so it was, it was tough on me and be honest. And I think it's, uh, that's why 
I think after, you know, as you're, as you're playing in college football or play, baseball or softball, or whatever it may be, you know, you got to understand where, where do you want to do with your life when this is over? Cause it's going to be over normally fairly fast. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, that was a conversation you and I continue to have um, while we were working with these players and we were saying, okay, what does this look like? What is their academic goals too? Because we both know in order to play at the college level, like there are certain academic guidelines that people have to meet. And we saw that. And I've shared with you before is that had a really big impact on what I do now, because you and I sat in a room multiple times to have conversations to say, this student athlete is no longer going to be eligible, or this student athlete can't even come to this institution because they don't meet the requirements. Right. So, oh, yeah. No doubt. Go ahead. If you do have something else. No, I was just going to say, so tell me a little bit about how, you know, those moments that you were, you navigated them as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, obviously you're looking for the very best players you can get in your program. That's number one. But they've also, which what I learned over time is that, you know, you got to draw a line somewhere, you know, when you're recruiting. It's, um, you know, I used to just think, well, you know, we'll get them eligible, not, not in any, you know, uh, uh, cheating way or whatever, but just, you know, you know, we can give them the study hall hours. We'll beat it in their head. We'll, <laughs> we'll get them to class and all those kind of things. And, uh, but, Sometimes you got to realize there's a line to be drawn. And I think that the more that I understood that, the better I think I became at recruiting. As far as, you know, sometimes these these kids are not not far enough along academically. And I, I don't think it's fair to them to bring them to the University of South Alabama and kind of knowing that they probably couldn't make it. But I was just hoping they would make it. So uh, I, I, I changed, you know, after a couple of years and, and uh, started kind of doing a little more homework, you know, rather than just looking at their GPA and, you know, you know, calling you and say, Hey, can we get this guy eligible? You know, what do you, what do we got to do? You know, what does he have to take? And those kind of things. So I started learning that, that, um, it's just, uh, you got to make sure they can do it. Cause, uh, at the end of the day, like we talked about, they have goals in their life, they get their degree and whatever they want to go into after that. They got to be able to do that if they come to your university. And so that's, it's not fair to them if you don't, if you don't do your homework. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that that's, that's something really big that parents struggle with too, is that they're thinking, okay, how successful will my student be at whatever this institution is? And so, you know, they're wanting to play athletically and be a great player, but at the same time, how can they be academically successful? And that goes hand in hand because, and you and I've had this conversation multiple times is that we know when our students are fully focused at practice, they're hundred percent there, but if they have an exam or a test or something that's happening, that's due the next day, they're not going to be hundred percent focused at practice. Mm -hmm. And, and what that turns into be is that they're not becoming the best athlete they can be or the best teammate. And that also leads to injury if they're not fully focused on what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's tough to, to juggle both. And we always talk about um, the amount of meeting time that we have, even though the NCAA does limit you and we, we adhere to all those rules, but it's still a lot of time they're spending over there, you know, in, whether it be in meetings, whether it be on the practice field, whether it be in the weight room, whether it be in the training room, 
whether it be, you know, coming and visit with the coaches, they're over there a lot. So then they got this other phase of all this academic work they have to do and focusing on that. I was, I really thought that we, we had too, we put a little bit too much on them. I tried to back off somewhat, you know, as best I could, you know, without over meeting them and having them there all the time. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, we were practicing in the mornings and I thought that was good. Uh, it was kind of hard to get up at 5.15 in the morning, but, um, but it was, uh, that, that was good in, in a lot of ways because, and I think at Penn State, did they do that at Penn State as well, or am I wrong? I don't recall. Yeah. Anyway, so we did that, and uh, I thought that would help because they had the kind of the rest of their day to, because it, inevitably they're going to try to schedule classes from 10 o'clock later so they can sleep in. They're going to stay up on their phones all night, you know, to two o'clock in the morning, sleep to 10 or whatever, get up and have a couple. And then you come into practice. And then after you had a couple of classes so that they don't create time in their day to be able to handle the academic load. So I thought the only the only negative I thought when when we were doing the morning practices, I think they were just tired. I mean, I, I found out that they were going to stay up late no matter what, yeah. you know, so. I don't know that they were getting to sleep. I think they were sleeping a lot in the afternoons. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. uh, but anyway, it is a lot of time. They have a lot of time, a lot, a lot of things to juggle. And, you know, sometimes I wish us as coaches kind of I – w- I almost wish the NCAA would just cut back even more, you know, maybe a couple more hours a week just to give yeah. those guys a chance to, to get caught up. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that you, you put that in perspective too, because that you guys were practicing in the morning and students were going to class from, you know, nine to one or whatnot. And, you know, by one o'clock in the afternoon, you're, you're exhausted, you're tired. And one of the things that I work with students a lot on is managing our energy, not necessarily managing our time. Because if we know when we're tired, if we know when we're like overextended, then that's when we shouldn't be doing some of those really big tasks. And that also goes to watching film, learning plays, all of that, because you, you're not going to remember that when you walk into practice the next day, if you're half asleep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So I think I remember when I was at Mississippi State the last couple of years and we had meetings, 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 meetings all week. And we go Friday, we'd have meetings Friday night, you know, we'd have meetings Saturday morning. You know, it was just, you know, constant. And I just could see the kids rolling their eyes and just, you know, okay, coach, you showed us this 48 times. I think we got it now. You know, So uh, anyway, but it was, uh, I think it's somewhere along the line. I, I know you're trying to beat it in their heads, you know, but it was, just, I, I do think that coach Brian, you know, obviously one of the best coaches of all time. I think the best, of course, I know Nick Saban's uh, obviously right there with him. But uh, on Fridays, it was a real loose atmosphere. You know, it was, if they needed time, they would, they would go to a movie. Um, they could, got back about nine, they had time to, you know, kind of get in, we'd go to the bedroom and hang out for hours, hour and a half. I think curfew was 1030, you know, and it was just more relaxed atmosphere rather than coming in meetings and, and all that. So uh, I, I think we need to construct a better plan in order to have to, students become successful academically and as, as well as a football player. Yeah. So you, um, You've already shared with us that you played under Coach Bryant. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear what is some of the, like, the best memories that you've had with playing under Coach Bryant? Probably, and I'm going to shorten this as best I can, <laughs> but um, uh, I went to Alabama. I was sixth string my freshman year. And he, I, he didn't know my name, I know, because 
Uh, I'll walk by him and look at me like I was somebody from somewhere else. But and anyway, make a long story short, my, my sophomore year I moved up to fifth stream because one of the guys graduated, and then everybody got hurt the week before the LSU game. All four guys, I had to start. I had to get in the game. So I went in, you know, had a had a good game and and uh, I scored you know long touchdown pass and turned punts and things like that. The next week, uh, we played Kentucky and uh, and I and had a good game, you know, decent game. Caught a couple few passes and and all that. And after the game, Coach Bryant kind of came to me, and he didn't say anything. He just kind of put his hand behind my neck and just kind of smiled, you know, and, and winked at me, and just kept walking. He didn't say anything, but man, I thought I was on cloud. I thought I could do anything in the world. When, but he, you know, he gave me that affirmation that that. I, you know, you've made it with me. You've earned your stripes, so to speak. And and that always stuck with me and I always try to treat, treat my players that way, you know, give them affirmation when they do something good. Oh, and, and I love that because that's, I mean, he didn't sit there and give you a lecture. He didn't sit there and give you all these words of praise, but it was that moment that you knew, okay, like this is it, like I turned the corner. And so if if you think about, you know, our, our students now, um, how is, how can coaches and parents to just encourage their students as they're kind of going through all of this? Yeah, I think that I tried to uh, speak to every player with, you know, in a personal way rather than, hey, man, how you doing? Walk and just walk by. That, yeah, I'm going to do that. But I tried to do as much as I can. Now, when you have 120-something players, it's hard, um, admittedly, you know, and uh, but I really tried to do that. And I always – if I ever saw someone in the hallway or whatever, I would stop, you know, and just at least speak to them for a minute, you know. Uh, and, I, and I think the kids appreciate that. I, I, you know, I'm not saying I was perfect or by any means, but I'm just saying it. I think that uh, I think the more you engage them and the more you bring them in, and then, then when they do have issues, they'll come and talk to you, you know. And uh, and so I had several of those meetings where kids come in my office and kind of, you know tell me about their childhood or tell me about their parents or tell me about their girlfriends or whatever. And so that was times when I felt like, yeah, now I really kind of make a little bit of a difference and help them out, maybe guide them in a good way. So uh, I think just opening up those lines of communication, because I think we're all texting each other and we're, you know, all of us, you know, there's nothing better than just, just that looking somebody in the eye and talking to them and sitting down and stopping and, and really, you know, showing you care about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that's something too, that we've seen um, just in college recruiting in general is things have turned so digital and our kids are so used to that. So having that moment to really sit with them or talk to them, um, it really impacts them in a different way because that communication is coming directly from you instead of through a phone. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I know that it's what they're used to, but I'm, I'm still old school. You know, we, <laughs> we, we wrote letters, um, um, for all those years in South Alabama, um, rather than, you know, handwritten letters, I always heard, you know, handwritten letters, somebody means more than anything. Matter of fact, my wife, when um, my son Jake was getting recruited, you know, he, he had the Alabama offer and an LSU offer and, and uh, Vanderbilt. And so, you know, she goes into the process, she, she goes, uh, he needs to go to Vanderbilt. And I said, what? And he said, Vanderbilt, I said, why? He goes, because those coaches, they wrote handwritten letters to us. So, 
<laughs> after that, I knew, I said, you know, we, we need to, and I've heard that from some other people as well, because um, when when you can touch the parents and you got to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, find out who the decision maker is in the process. But anyway, yeah, I think the communication, just, just eye to eye, handwritten letters, some meaningful things, not just a quick text. Yeah. And I, it's just so huge because I think we saw a difference too in our students when we were able to have those conversations with them and taking them from point A to point B and really taking them to the next level. Right. Yeah. So because the podcast is called Confessions from the Sidelines, I would love to hear from you. What is your favorite memory of standing on the sidelines? Well, I mean, there's a lot of great ones. I mean, I, you think back, um, of all the years and all the wins and all the big plays and all the guys kicking last second field goals and whatever it may be, so many of them. That's the great thing about coaching at uh, uh, sports, whether it be football, softball, baseball, whatever. Uh, I would have to say probably uh, when we beat Mississippi State uh, was probably uh, a memory that I'll, I'll never forget. I think most people, you know, that were involved in the program at the time, not just the players, but even the fans. I mean, I still get that uh, a lot. And when I was at Mississippi State, I heard it uh, almost every day, you know, <laughs> on the negative side that y'all beat us, you know, type thing. But but it was kind of I could walk around my chest out and all that. So, but it was a it was a great you know moment. Uh, our players, I think, never forget it. You know, we had a close call with Tennessee. You almost beat them uh, in 2014. Uh, and uh, South Carolina, we didn't almost beat them, but we had them kind of close in the fourth quarter. So we, we played a couple of those quote, big teams, uh, close. And it was just glad I was just glad we came through and, and, and won that one. It was a, it was, it was a fun, fun day. Yeah. Oh yes. I remember that very well. <laughs> it was such a great win. Well, coach, thank you so much for joining me today and chatting. It was so nice to see you and chat with you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to share the show with your favorite student athlete and be sure to head over to your favorite podcasting platform and rate and review the show. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.